This is Howard Anderson, Managing Editor at Information Security Media Group. We're talking today with Michael Frederick, Chief Information Security Officer at Baylor Healthcare System. Thanks for joining us today, Michael. Uh, you're welcome. And how long have you served as Chief Information Security Officer? I have been the uh, Chief Information Security Officer for two years now. I've been at Baylor for a total of five. Um, previous to that, I was uh, the Manager of Security Operations for the healthcare system, and and I do have a uh, scope of responsibility for the entire healthcare system. So were you Baylor's first Chief Information Security Officer, and uh, how has the role evolved in the two years you've had it? Uh, yes, I'm the first one to have the, the title of Chief Information Security Officer here. Um, prior to that, it was a, uh, a corporate director position. As far as the evolution, it's it's really gone from an IT-focused uh, group uh, to one that is more corporate-focused. We spend a lot more time with uh, uh, processes and, and dealing with people issues and a lot more visibility at the board level. One of the first things that I did uh, when taking over was to form a, a governance group um, we have a security council that has representatives um, from HR, legal, compliance, internal audit, um, IT representation. Um, we have some operational representation from finance and from some physician uh, leadership. And that group is actually chartered and sanctioned by our board of trustees. So it's actually a, a uh, board-level function at this point. So do you have a dedicated staff in your current role? I do, um, including myself. My department is about 22 people. Um, I have uh, three functional areas that report to me. Uh, one of them is identity management, and they deal with everything that's username and password related. Uh, I've got another security assurance team um, that is responsible for uh, policy and procedure management, um, assisting me with the governance process. They do a lot of risk assessment work on applications. Um, they also have business continuity responsibilities. And then I have a monitoring and response team, um, and they're really the operational component. They they run our uh, intrusion detection systems, all of our antivirus, um, our URL filtering, our email encryption, our, our uh, PC encryption, hard drive encryption, and uh, they also do a lot of forensic support for the legal and HR um, and compliance folks. I understand that making use of encryption is one of your top priorities for this year. Uh, are you encrypting email data on portable devices as well as data at rest on hard drives? Um, we, we are. We are doing all of the above. Um, we, have, we have some software in place. It's a rules-based uh, product for email, so email that goes outside of our gateway, outside of our network, um, is encrypted if it contains um, certain information. And right now we're monitoring for things that would be considered PHI um, and or some known uh, financial type of information that, that can be sent out via email. We are encrypting or we have plans to encrypt all portable devices. We have started with our laptops. Um, the software that we purchased for that has um, 
port control capabilities, which are going to allow us to uh, encrypt thumb drives or any external storage device that's attached to them. And we have just started rolling out that encryption to PCs in addition to the laptops. We're, we're encrypting everywhere that we, that we reasonably can. So in your data center on, on the hard drives, that eventually will be encrypted as well? Um, we do not have any immediate plans on the servers. We have, uh, you know, we're still looking at potential solutions, both native to some of our database vendors as well as third-party products for some more uh, in order to encrypt some of the, what I'd say, sensitive databases. But we have not implemented any of that to date. Another one of your priorities is making sure you have audit trails that can help you produce reports that demonstrate compliance with federal and state security requirements. Please tell us a little bit about that. Sure. We uh, About a year and a half ago, we purchased a uh, log aggregation security event monitoring tool, um, and we decided that we were going to make that um, the cornerstone of some of our regulatory requirements when it came to uh, reporting um, on access to personal information. So we are in the process. We started with all of the infrastructure first, meaning Active Directory, some of our network devices, VPN, um, and getting those audit trails into um, this product. And we are in the process of hooking up applications um, to the tool as well. Our main uh, EHR application, which is Eclipsis, um, we've had that hooked up for a year, and so we're getting their audit trails. And we we have two more enterprise applications, our uh, Liz and RIS system that will be in there um, within the month, and we are doing an ongoing readiness assessment with the rest of our application portfolio to see which ones are going to be easy and which ones are going to be a bit more difficult. So. Um, a lot of work still to go on, but uh, so far it's been uh, pretty successful. And uh, through that automation, we, we've been able to help keep the manpower or labor required to do some of these tasks to a minimum. I understand you're devoting more resources to disaster recovery and business continuity efforts. Please tell us why that's a priority and describe some of those investments for us. Uh, sure. We... Uh, as information moves to an electronic platform, some of the old standbys of the pieces of paper that were floating around um, are going to be disappearing. And so whenever a caregiver um, on the floor needs information, they're going to, you know, the system's going to have to be there. It's going to have to be up. It's going to have to be available. Um, there's not going to be a lot of tolerance for extended outages, unplanned outages, large maintenance windows, any of those types of things. So um, some of some of what we have done is uh, we have made a concerted effort to make sure that we have a criticality assessment done on all of our applications to determine which ones really have that uptime requirement. We have also, um, for anything that was ranked high from an availability standpoint, um, gone and created disaster recovery plans where we outline what the recovery procedures are and how long it'll take us to get it back up. And then for some of our uh, enterprise applications, we have, um, and we actually got some national recognition for this, we have, we have built a downtime viewer. So while providers will 
lose the capability to do additional charting or whatnot when when a system is not available. Um, any of the information that was in there prior to the outage is still going to be available in a read-only format um, through a separate system, and uh, that is housed at a totally separate data center from where the uh, uh, production live version is. And so that's uh, those are some of the investments. There's there's been a greater appreciation um, for spending the additional money um, to build something that is redundant um, instead of waiting until uh, until you until you prove your point with an outage so I actually have three people that are dedicated to those uh, uh, processes on all my staff Baylor is using high trust common security framework. Uh, for those who may not be familiar with it, please describe the framework and why you chose to use it and how it's helped you achieve some of your security goals. Well, uh, the common security framework from High Trust is really a, a framework that was built through collaboration within the industry and professional services firms to try and get a, a single tool that can be used that if you're compliant with this framework, uh, you should be compliant with most of the regulatory uh, uh, requirements that you have in the marketplace. Uh, we we were one of the first to join on. Um, I actually led the provider review group, industry review group, during the development of the framework. And what was intriguing to me about it was, first and foremost, um, being able to drive consistency in how people address security issues course, being in a major metropolitan area with multiple uh, competitors in the marketplace, I was increasingly frustrated with uh, physicians and providers coming up with the argument whenever I tried to impose a control that the hospital down the street doesn't make me do that, so why should you make me do it, and therefore just artificially keeping the bar low when it came to security. So we viewed this as a, as a way to get something that is accepted by the industry that would bring some consistency so that Baylor didn't have to differentiate itself. It wasn't at a market disadvantage or advantage by its security posture. The other part of that is in the vendor space, being able to vet uh, vendors and their risk position and their control posture before you purchase a product or service or before you agree to share information with somebody. It's very important, at least to us here at Baylor, that uh, we be able to rely on somebody's security posture when we're giving our patients information or turning that over, whether that be through an ASP arrangement um, or with some of the recent legislation as they are encouraging information to flow freely between organizations. You know, when, when a patient um, gives us their information, we, we have a duty to that patient to protect their information and, and turning it over um, or sharing it with someone who may not have or share the same tolerance for risk um, is, is something that we look at pretty closely. And, and we thought that this would be a, a good vehicle for, uh, for solving that problem. The third piece of this uh, deals with the certification. Um, there's been a lot of talk and speculation about meaningful use and, and what's involved. Um, from my standpoint, the one thing that is consistent is they require you to be 100% HIPAA compliant. Well, there's nothing really out there 
um, that you could latch on to that would, that would act or fulfill that burden of proof. Um, we believe high trust can do that. If, if an organization goes through and gets certified against the common security framework, they'll have an independent third party attest to the fact that the controls are in place that meet the HIPAA regulations, and that that's huge for us. What steps is Baylor taking to comply with the new High Tech Act data breach notification rule? We have been working jointly with our compliance folks and our medical records. Um, we have a, a system in place where actually my monitoring and response team does a lot of the tracking of incidences. Um, the entity compliance officers report to us and ship us updates. So we, we track all of the, uh, we, we essentially keep the case log for each of the incidents. And then our compliance department is the one that has the uh, burden for uh, reporting anything to uh, HHS on a uh, uh, quarterly basis or annual basis. Um, so it's really a collaborative effort. Uh, we do have a committee of people that are pulled together in the event that we have a breach over 500 records, and that would include um, our, our PR folks, our legal department, um, compliance, uh, my department, and the medical records department. And so in the event that we have a breach of that magnitude, um, we have a rapid reaction force that's already in place. Well, thanks for taking some time with us today, Michael. We've been talking with Michael Frederick of Baylor Healthcare System. This is Howard Anderson of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.